Welcome back to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiba, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of creativity with you. Each week, I'm hashtag gifting you two episodes with ways you can become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best-kept industry secrets to creating content worth remembering. Sound good? All right, let's dive into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time for the goods. Each week, we're going to highlight some of the haps, the 411, the hot topics in the creative industry, in advertising, marketing, and influencer world alike. The purpose of this is to bring you into the conversations that go on within the culture of the creative industry, an industry that you're a part of, by the way. So I hope to inspire you, empower you, and invite you to have a seat at the table. The Cut shared an article about the end of the girl boss era. Um, started as a movement by Sofia Amoruso, former CEO of Nasty Gal, and other successful female CEOs empowering women to claim their own financially, specifically in the business world and in corporate. The girl boss movement has officially girl bossed a little too close to the sun. <laughs> a lot of these female led startups got exposed during 2020 as being led mainly by wealthy, college-educated white women who were pushing this sort of glamorization of hustle culture and disguising it as feminism. During the 2020 pandemic and the civil rights movements that were attached, we also saw that a lot of these quote-unquote girl bosses like Christine Barbrich of Refinery29, Leandra Medine Cohen of Man Repeller, Audrey Gelman of The Wing, Yale Aflalo of... Um, Reformation and so many more were stepping down due to their discriminatory and problematic views towards other women. The same women they supposedly were hoping to inspire, these views were becoming exposed. Toxic work cultures, um, you know, discrimination with race and body type, um, unethical standards for production or manufacturing. So as a member of an industry that is primarily dominated by women, you as an influencer should definitely check out this article. It's called The Demise of the Girl Boss. It's written by The Cut. Incredible piece. Highly, highly recommend. Um, celebrity creative directors is our, is our next topic. Oh my god, let's talk about it. So as a recap, Kendall Jenner was named creative director of Forward not too long ago, and Love Island's Molly May has joined pretty little thing the fast fashion brand as their creative director stating that she no longer is quote just an influencer as somebody in the advertising industry I personally don't think that Kenny and Molly May were hired because they have creativity I think that they were hired because they have a large community that just so happens to overlap with the target audience of forward and pretty little thing now in Kenny's case we also have Kris Jenner which is a whole other force that we're not going to talk about. But after discussing this, you know, phenomenon of, of celebrities becoming creative directors and celebrities 
creatively leading brands. Um, I was talking with, with some industry peers about that and it brought up the topic that it would take somebody in, normally it would take somebody in the creative industry, like anywhere from 10 to 15 years to receive the title of creative director. And this would never be something that's just kind of handed to you. Traditionally in like corporate structures, it's kind of something that you would have to be promoted to or, or spend time, a lot of time in the industry working towards. Now, I don't really care about hierarchy because I think that it's important to know that it exists um, so that you can break it. And all of my achievements and, and part of my pillar as as a person is I don't think that hierarchy is important. And I it, it, to me, it doesn't matter. Um, if you want to get what you want, it doesn't really matter where you are in the food chain, to be honest. But the point is, is that Becoming somebody who is a creative authority takes experience, not just influence. So I personally have some conflicted views about celebrities becoming creative directors because I don't, especially when they have no creative background. Now, the part where it became really obvious for me that it was something where they, they these brands were essentially using their influence is... I think Molly May had a collaboration with Pretty Little Thing in the past. If not them, then Boohoo, which they're basically pretty much owned by the same company. Um, So that was, to me, was like, oh, well, you already have their audience, their desired audience, their target audience, and they since they collaborated with you. So, like, it only made sense. So that was kind of where that clicked for me. But I'm curious to hear what y'all think about celebrity creative directors, what your views are, if you care, if you don't, does that make the brand stronger creatively? Curious to hear your input on that. You can always DM me about anything that you hear in this podcast episode and share your input with me. And so the final good of this episode is something that actually a brand has done that was really cool, in my opinion. And it's an example of a very strong partnership. So the canned water brand Liquid Death, which I'm sure you've seen, it literally looks like a beer. I thought it was a beer when I first saw it and it's not. It's it's water. They're using um, Tony Hawk's blood in skateboard paint and are creating skateboards that have his actual DNA in them, which I think is so cool. And this was an example of a brand collaboration between a celebrity and creator and a brand that just like made sense to me like it just made sense like there were no questions that I had to ask further like Tony Hawk Liquid Death I get it Liquid Death markets themselves although they don't say this directly you can kind of get it from their vibe as the most badass water brand on the market like their tagline is literally crack open water and like I said it looks like a beer can so them collaborating with Tony Hawk who like is known to never back down from a challenge or a stunt was just so cool to see and was just inherently it just made sense so I highly recommend you check it out um I don't know if there I don't think there are any more skateboards available but I'm sure people are reselling them on eBay anyways they look really really cool check them out um let me know what you think as always That's it for this week's goods. As always, DM at Kindly Gifted Podcast or tweet at Kindly Gifted Pod with any thoughts you have on the goods or submit noteworthy hot topics directly to this podcast by going to anchor.fm slash kindly gifted.
All right, let's talk content remixing. What is it? Why the heck is it important for your strategy as a content creator? Let's get into it. So just as a disclaimer, content remixing is not my term. This was a term coined by Gary Vee. But the concept itself has actually been around since the 17th century. I know that's right. So it's not like a <laughs> it's not like a novel thing. Um, content remixing is essentially taking a long form piece of content, like a YouTube video, for example, and breaking it down into smaller segments that you can share on TikTok or on Reels or. Pinterest or any other social media platforms that you are you are on in addition to the place where you publish your long form piece of content. So then these bite-sized pieces are used to direct back to the longer form content, so that YouTube video or that blog post. Okay, so what is content remixing? Why the heck is it important for your strategy as a content creator? Let's get into it. So as a disclaimer, Content remixing is not my term. This was a term coined by Gary Vee. But the concept itself has been around since the 17th century. So this is not a new thing. (laughs) Okay? People were doing this before we had social media. So essentially, content remixing is taking a long-form piece of content, like a YouTube video or a blog post, and breaking it down into smaller segments that you can share on TikTok, on Reels, on Pinterest, Twitter, whatever, whatever other social media channels you have. Then these bite-sized pieces direct back to the long-form content piece, aka the YouTube video, the podcast episode, the blog post, right? But like I said... Content remixing has been around since the 1600s. And at the time, it was actually called a serial, which is where, like, the series, like, book series came from or serial literature came from. Because back then, publishing books, the long-form content in this case, was really expensive. So the way that authors would test out if something was resonating with their audience or their readers is they would partner up with newspapers and they collaborated with the paper to release an audio, uh, an author's book chapter um, one by one in the newspaper. And this was really beneficial. This was like a symbiotic relationship and super beneficial to both sides because it kept the audience engaged in general. And it got the author's name and work out there. But it also had um, another way to ensure that the people that were reading the newspaper were excited to read tomorrow's issue of the paper. So if it was successful, if the reactions to the, the book chapters were successful, then the author could bring that to, you know, the, the publishing house or the printing house and say, all right, this is, the reaction's great, let's go ahead and print it, right? Now, on the other hand, if the author's book was not a success, then the printing houses didn't have to use their already limited resources to print and bound the whole book, which was already really expensive and and wouldn't be guaranteed in this case that it was even going to be successful, right? So that's kind of the same thing now. For example, I'm just going to use myself as an example. My long-form content is this, this podcast that you're tuning into right now, which thank you, by the way, for being here. I appreciate you. Um... 
So instead of reinventing the wheel and creating custom content, which is kind of the standard in the advertising industry, the standard is, oh, we got to create a custom piece for everything. We can't like, you can't copy and paste ideas. That's, it's like a, a, for some reason, a big no-no, which is why you see a lot of brands not remixing their content because their in-house departments are like, weren't taught that way, right? So instead of going the custom route and creating custom content for every little thing, I'm going to take this podcast episode that I've already recorded and break it down into smaller pieces. I then record 15 to 30 second clips for like TikTok, Reels, to adapt it to the social media channels that I choose to be on, while also, first of all, reaching the people who may not know who I am and don't have a relationship with me or my expertise while also reaching members of my target audience who don't listen to podcasts or prefer prefer shorter form content, right? That way I'm ensuring that I'm being inclusive to the varying members of my audience while meeting them where they are to build a relationship with them, which is exactly what advertising is. Y'all think, you think I wouldn't mention advertising once? Are you serious? That's what this is, okay? Advertising is meeting your target audience where they are as opposed to expecting them to come to you, right? More importantly, I'm able to see that if that content piece resonated with my audience, then I can continue to create things similar to it, right? If it didn't resonate, then I don't feel like I wasted my time reinventing the wheel with all the different content components and all the different, you know, TikTok and Instagram and and social media components to promote it. I can easily just go back to the drawing board and think of new ideas. And it's just not, it's not a problem. No stress, no worry. Okay. That being said, I'm spending most of my time coming up with one solid, good, sick-ass idea that then is essentially chopped up into tiny little pieces. So it looks like there's like 25 ideas when in reality it's it's really just one. <laughs> that way you're not having 15 to 20 ideas that all have to be good and all executed well because that's it's never going to happen. Quality over quantity. You can't do 100 things at once and expect them all to be good. They're going to be mediocre at best. If not, almost all of them flop, right? So... For creators, I highly recommend that you have a long form piece of content if you don't already, that then you can chop up into tiny bite-sized pieces and then promote elsewhere on social media. You are able to then give most of your creative energy and attention and effort towards creating that YouTube video or that blog post or that podcast episode. And then when it comes to social media, you use your social media to promote that long form piece of content. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel for all the little things, okay? And that's called working smarter, not harder, honey, all right? So let me give you an example of this in action for a creator. Let's say it's a fashion creator. It just happens to be the first thing I thought of, but you can benefit from this even if you're in another interest group like lifestyle or home decor or uh, sports or anything else. Let's say you filmed a... YouTube video styling 10 looks for fall, head to toe, the whole shebang. This allows you to create maybe like a 25 minute video where you can go a little bit more in depth with 
some of the reasoning as to why you chose to style it this way, um, sharing where you got the pieces, maybe adding in some B-roll, maybe adding in some tips for how somebody of a different body size or um, uh, of a different skin color can style these same colors that you chose or different colors that you chose to recommend to them or if they are a different body type than you what they can style that looks similar to what you have chosen or whatever you can expand a little bit more with a 25 minute youtube video right so now let's say you also have an instagram and a tiktok community you can also do so many things now that you have this large 25 minute video you could take two outfits and do five mini styling videos or two videos with like super fun, punchy, easy transitions of you in five looks. You could post half of the mini styling videos you created to TikTok, half of them to Reels to see how they perform on each one, right? And then alternate. You could also do static Instagram carousels with mood boards of the outfits you styled or celebrities that you were inspired by. And the point is to redirect people to that larger piece of content, that YouTube video where you put in most of your attention and most of your creativity and most of your effort. So then your Instagram and your TikTok content acts like a promotion for, you already know what I'm going to say, right? You already know what I'm going to say for that YouTube video because they are what is it? Advertisements for that long form content, right? See, everything is advertising. Even if you're not working with brands, this is the thing that I would love for you to just grasp. And if you need to like play it back, play it back, right? Even if you're not working with brands, you are advertising yourself because you're a brand. So, It's about damn time you learn how to get good at it because the minute you have a long form piece of content that you are redirecting attention to using TikTok or using Instagram, those smaller bits of content and remixing, you are advertising something else that you have created. And the content that you put out, it's no different than a brand putting out a product. You are also, you are the product. You are advertising yourself, your life, your experience, your style, whatever it is that you are trying to offer and give to people. Your social media is acting as advertisements for that. So be smart about the way you do it. And I think that content remixing is probably the smartest and the easiest way to do it because you're not trying to come up with a hundred different ideas that are all expectedly going to be good. They're not going to be. You're coming up with one really good idea and then you're being strategic about how you advertise that one idea. So work smarter, not harder. And remember, everything that you do is an advertisement for something else that you do. Okay? Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.